0: What's up, shitheads? Today is Monday, December 5th, making it exactly three weeks and one day since the quadruple homicide of four University of Idaho students. On today's episode, we will be discussing the candlelight vigil, celebration of life, activity by the law enforcement at the crime scene, and Stephen Christie Goncalvis's recent interviews with media. We have a lot that has gone on since our last episode, so let's get into it. The Candlelight Vigil for all four victims was held by the University of Idaho on Wednesday last week. It was originally supposed to be outside, but there was a snowstorm and that caused it to be moved indoors to the Kibby Activity Center at the University of Idaho. At the Candlelight Vigil, three of the four families spoke and the university president said that Zaina Kernodal's family was not able to join them that day because they were having a service on Friday and we later found out that they were unable to make it as they were planning and finalizing Friday's celebration of life for all four of the victims. At Wednesday's candlelight vigil, Ethan Chapin's mother, Stacy Chapin, spoke first, and she spoke about Ethan's favorite things such as country music, sports, his family, and she noted that he was a triplet. And Stacy ended with saying, I want to remind you that the most important message that we have for you and your families is to make sure you spend as much time as possible with those people because time is precious and it's something you can't get back. We then heard from Steve Goncalves, accompanied by his wife, Christy, and they spoke about their daughter, Kaylee, and her best friend, Madison Mogan, whom they considered like one of their own. Steve spoke about the relationship the girls had with each other and the importance of the relationship between fathers and daughters. He mentioned Googling for inspiration and looking to his girls for guidance in writing his speech, and he pokes fun at himself, saying, they gave me the sense, like, don't go up there and embarrass us. I was like, really? All right. And they were like, you can't be a Chad dad. And he did a really good job attempting to bring light to a dark moment. And if you've ever hung out with us on the Sojo Files, the sister podcast to the situation, you probably know why I found that phrase funny and the value that I have for jokes, sarcasm and dark humor when dealing with very difficult situations. I think it's a fantastic coping mechanism, but Steve also dropped a bombshell because he said, and in the end, they died together in the same room and in the same bed, later specifying that they were found in Maddie's room. And this was a bombshell because as you know, officials have been extremely tight-lipped about where and how the four victims were discovered in the home. And this revelation reminded me of an image that has been circulating around social media, and it's just been known as an image that allows you to see inside of the home into Kaylee's bedroom on the third floor through the sliding glass doors. But what was most notable about that picture and why it reminded me of this picture when he made that statement is if you remember, and we've discussed this on Lives, and I've also posted this on The Situations Instagram, I discussed the lack of evidence that you can see from that picture circulating online there's a lack of blood evidence given how the coroner and media have portrayed the scene and what we know to have occurred with the victims they were all four stabbed to death which is an incredibly vicious and messy way to perpetrate an attack and through the sliding glass doors there is zero visible signs of a violent crime like a stabbing having occurred or or a struggle going on in that room. The walls are white, the headboard's white, the bedding's white, the bed appears to be made, and there's nothing visible that you can see through the sliding glass doors. And I pointed out that the relevance of this photo is the lack of evidence, given what we know, that you can see in it. And given what Steve Goncalves has now revealed to the public, it only verifies the value of that picture being the lack of visible evidence because it confirms that there was not a crime perpetrated in that room. We now know that the girls were found together in bed together in Maddie's room on the third floor. And as I stated when I shared this image on social media and when we discussed it on the lives, I think this is a good reminder for internet sleuths that what you don't see is just as valuable as what you do see. And here, the value in that image was the fact that you didn't see anything that was suggestive that a crime or a vicious attack like a stabbing had occurred in that room. And Steve Goncalves confirmed that it didn't. So just a good reminder for the internet sleuths that what you don't see is just as powerful as what you do see and can give you a good hint or idea in verifying or disproving what you presume to know about cases that you are sleuthing online. So just a good friendly reminder that what you don't see is just as valuable as what you do see. And in this case, Steve Goncalves proved that what we didn't see was very valuable and was an indicator that it was not a crime that occurred in that room. And now we know that to be true. Moving on to the Celebration of Life that was held for all four victims Friday in Post Falls, Idaho. Again, only three families attended this event, but unlike Wednesday, where the Canodal family was absent due to planning this Celebration of Life on Friday, during the Celebration of Life on Friday, it was the Chapin family that was noticeably absent from this event. Now, throughout the Celebration of Life, it was really just a way to remember the victims we heard from, again, family, we heard from Maddie's boyfriend, Jake, and we heard from sorority sisters and friends of the four victims, but it was really just a way to celebrate them and there was no new information or revelations that occurred during the Celebration of Life on Friday. Now, it appears to me over the past three weeks that there is a relationship dynamic that has presented itself amongst the families of the victims and i'm not really going to get into it but i can't be the only person that has noticed this but i'll leave it at that and i'll digress so let's get into what law enforcement has been up to the past few days at 1122 king road On December 2nd, it was reported that three people were spotted leaving the residence and one was identified as a detective. The other two have yet to be identified and one was wearing a backpack. The next day, December 3rd, law enforcement put private security or at least an unmarked cop car as the guard of 1122 King Road 24 hours a day. There were also three officers spotted walking up to the house allegedly carrying evidence markers. While there, the lights inside and outside of the home were turned off pretty quickly and you could see officers walking around the house and the perimeter of the property with flashlights and seen in the downstairs left bedroom with a flashlight on. Even more noticeable was when they finally left, they were carrying large brown paper bags, which is how you collect evidence at a crime scene. So that, of course, caught everyone's attention. And then we got some new information, which is somewhat scene-related and also completely worthless information, at least in my opinion. Nonetheless, the internet completely lost their damn minds over it, and that was... That the property management company confirmed that there was a sixth person on the lease of the house. Now, the sixth person on the lease was not there at the time. Matter of fact, they haven't been there since school started, which I feel like this is a good time to remind everyone that the girls had only lived in that house since August. At least this group of five roommates had only lived there since August because Though there are pictures of Maddie at the house from the year 2021, they post on Instagram Meet the Roomies in August of 2022 this year, meaning that that group of five roommates had only lived in that house collectively together for three months. And this unnamed, thank God, sixth person on the lease hasn't been there since school started in August. So despite the social media frenzy that resulted as That information came to light. The information is basically irrelevant. That person wasn't there, hasn't been there. And we, of course, already knew that it was a six bedroom home with only five roommates. So we knew there was an empty room in the home. Now, this weekend is where shit really got interesting for this whole situation because Steve Goncalvez did a series of interviews that shed light on some new details. Steve Goncalvis gave an interview and he said, I'll cut to the chase. Their means of death don't match. They don't match, he repeated. And then he said, their points of damage don't match. He then did another interview the next day stating the same thing again. His remarks about Kaylee and Madison's means of death not matching have the internet going crazy, but there could be a simple, non-nefarious answer to that. You can have two people stabbed to death, and each victim have a different cause of death. And we spoke about this on the last episode, and I know we've gone over it over the past three weeks on social media, but... Cause of death is the medical determination of death. And as I just said, two people can be stabbed to death and have a different cause of death. So let me give an example that will hopefully make this make sense for everyone. Two people can be stabbed to death, and one victim can have the cause of death be listed as loss of blood, while the other has asphyxia listed as their cause of death. So in this hypothetical situation, just to make this understandable for everyone, both victims were stabbed to death, but one died as a result of blood loss while the other in this hypothetical situation died from asphyxia because their lung was punctured by the knife resulting in their lung filling with blood causing them to asphyxiate on their own blood. Again, this is just me giving you an example. This is, I don't know shit about fuck about their actual cause of death or any of the medical details, but the point that I'm trying to get across, and Lord, I hope that I'm somewhat making this make sense, is that you can have two people that are both stabbed to death, and yet their death certificate and autopsies reflect a different cause of death because even though they were both stabbed in the upper torso, their death ultimately resulted from different injuries that they received during the knife attack. Lord, I hope I made that somewhat make sense for y'all. Basically, what I'm saying is him saying that their means of death don't match without any further detail or insight as to why that isn't a big OMFG moment that the internet and the news is kind of portraying it to be. To me, as of right now, I can totally see how There could be a simple and easy explanation for how two people were stabbed to death but have a different cause of death listed on their death certificate and autopsy. So until we know more, or that gets elaborated on, that really doesn't stick out to me as something super relevant or of importance right now because I can think of such a simple and logical explanation for how that could occur. Now, Snell, who is the media liaison, essentially, or exactly, for the Moscow Police Department, has made a public statement stating that they believe the point of entry to be the sliding glass door. And he didn't elaborate on which sliding glass door because we know there are two, one off the kitchen on the second floor and one off of the third floor master bedroom, which was Kaylee's. But Mr. Goncalves said this over the interviews this weekend that's pretty interesting. He said, they've said the entry point was the slider or the window that was in the middle floor. So to me, he doesn't have to go upstairs. His entry and exit are available without having to go upstairs or downstairs. Looks like he probably may have not gone downstairs. We don't know that for sure, but he obviously went upstairs, so I'm using logic that he chose to go up there when he didn't have to, and I can tell by my daughter's text messages she didn't call 911, she wasn't saying anything along the lines of, like, she heard something or she was in fear, so I'm just putting the dots together. As far as the investigators, they are very tight-lipped. They are keeping everything close to their best, and I understand that, and I'm probably not the right person to share things with, so I'm just trusting them that their case is super tight, and they don't really need to reach out to the community, and all the evidence is right there in that home. Now, when he made the statement that the killer didn't have to go upstairs, one could reasonably infer or presume or speculate, if you will, that he was kind of insinuating that they didn't have a reason to go upstairs because perhaps their target was on the second floor. I don't know. I have, I don't know. But he was asked if he knew about who the target was or if he could share that information. And his answer was, I can't. I asked for permission to do just that. And they said no. He also stated that he did not like their use of the word targeted. He believed that it was a strategic choice in wording to keep people from fleeing Moscow. And he also said that the use of the word targeted was pinning families against each other, which I thought that was pretty interesting. And as I stated earlier, I don't know shit about fuck, but I do know that I cannot be the only person that is noticing a certain dynamic that is presenting itself uh with say how one of the families maybe doesn't acknowledge or ever mention you know one of the victims but if you're thinking it I'm thinking it too we're on the same page but we won't get into it on here so one of the interviewers asked him are you communicating with the parents of the other victims are they feeling as frustrated as you are and he answered I have talked to obviously Maddie's mother and father and I've talked to Zaina's father and he said, Hey, you can speak on behalf of us. You can help push this narrative. So I feel confident there. That's as far as communications and as I have had. So one family has missed out being able to be in the same location to really get on the same page. So I try not to mention that and stay within my lane of what is my role. I'm not trying to just gear it all towards my daughter. I just, I can't speak for other people. And on that note, we are all caught up on the quadruple homicide of the four University of Idaho students and what all occurred at the end of last week and over the weekend. So that's a wrap for this situation episode, and I will see you guys on the next episode.